Welcome to episode 11 of Jesus and the Meteorologist. My name is Kevin Kukaji, and I am your host. Our subject is discernment, and our aim is to teach, to elevate your minds, and to exalt your courage, to accelerate and animate your industry and activity, and to excite in you an ambition to excel in every capacity, faculty, and virtue. Our mission is to inspire young men and women, and their parents, to understand the present in order to prepare for the future, a task that necessarily demands a proper interpretation of the past. Our aim is to highlight the antithesis between the way of the Lord and the ways of the world, between the truth of Scripture and the opinions of men, so that we might reflect the light of life in a culture of death. Well, let me begin this week's episode by thanking those of you who have purchased a copy of my little brown book, The Experts, which I've advertised on this program and which you can find on our landing page at JesusAndTheMeteorologist.com. Some of you already know that I've been writing a new work, minus those cute little illustrations, which might best be described as either a very long speech or a very short book. The title of this new work is An Apologetic for Liberty, and it will be released only as a printed version pamphlet that we intend to circulate as a kind of hand-to-hand intellectual combat, underground, old-school, and by word of mouth like the pamphleteers of old. The purpose of that pamphlet is to provide the biblical, philosophical, and intellectual defense for liberty that has been sorely neglected or intentionally abandoned by professing Christians who, for various reasons, are no longer willing or even able to articulate a Christian defense of liberty. And as I argue, if you do not base your concept of liberty in Christ, it cannot be adequately explained or sustained. But more on that later. I will, of course, let you know how to get a copy of that little pamphlet when it is hot off the press, as they say. Today, however, we're going to talk about the zoo. This may sound like a metaphor for the zoo-like conditions of our present age, with all of its intendant confusion, where the population acts like animals instead of rational beings. But our topic actually begins in a real American zoo, and proceeds from there to the fish market at a national grocery store chain. Along the way, we aim to tie it all together to illustrate some of the most ridiculous consequences arising in a world infected by a severe case of tunnel vision, where every thing and every body is sacrificed at the altar of one belief deliberately placed on the tracks before us. When we return, some of our old friends will join me to examine this incident at the zoo and my later encounter while buying fresh salmon right here in Tennessee. You are listening to Jesus and the Meteorologist. There are citizens in Tennessee working to reclaim the practice of self-governance in our state and ensure that a constitutional, Republican form of government is preserved to future generations. We are Tennessee Stands. Do you want to get off the sidelines and learn how to stand for liberty in your community? Join us at TennesseeStands.org and on social media at Tennessee Stands. Welcome back to Jesus and the Meteorologist, a weekly squidget devoted to the topic of discernment. My name is Kevin Kukaji, and I am your host. Okay, to help us discern some lessons from the zoo and the grocery store, I'm joined in the studio today by three familiar icebergs, whose names are... Roger. Winnie. And Penelope. Roger, Winnie, and Penelope, welcome back. Thank you for Thank having you. us. 
Uh, before we enter the offices of hypothesis, let me set the table, for we must have, of course, proper place settings on which to cut the meat of our discussion. Or fish. Oh, yeah, we're talking about a fish market. Yeah, we're talking about fish. Last summer, a friend of mine took his family to a popular metropolitan zoo. It was not in Nashville. In fact, I can't recall the location off the top of my head. But for purposes of our discussion, the only relevant point about the geography of the zoo is that it is in America, where logic and rational thinking used to be the norm. Not so much today. For when my friend and his family entered this particular American zoo, they encountered a big, fat sign prominently placed at the entrance demanding that all visitors wear a mask, wait for it, in order to protect the animals. Now think about that for a second. One set of human beings, whether it be the government acting directly or indirectly through the compliant zookeepers, commanding another set of human beings, the visitors, to cover the face, right? The image of God, the primary point from which all meaningful human encounters begin, the external platform through which virtually all ideas are communicated, both verbally and non-verbally comprising the entire spectrum of emotions and circumstances, from a smile to a frown, from a wink of encouragement to the intensity of an angry stare, whether shouts of displeasure or songs of joy, be it laughing or crying, speaking words of love or screaming words of war, the face is the primary mechanism through which our distinctiveness as created images of God is communicated. And what is the alleged reason for demanding the covering of this distinctive feature? protect the animals. Now, while you chew on that tasty morsel, let me take you to the grocery store, where last summer I came across a much smaller yet equally moralizing, and actually demoralizing, sign on the counter where I buy our weekly fresh fish. Behind the counter, ready to serve me, was a fully masked human being dutifully covering the image of God according to the dictates of his almighty corporate employer. At the top of this sign, that was situated between me and and the masked employee, in bold font, were the following words. Blue House, Green Planet. Blue House, by the way, was the name of the company that was selling the salmon. The message below that title in regular font was, quote, We love our oceans, which is why we let them be. The Blue House way is better for fish, for families, and for the planet we all share. End quote. Got that? So now let's enter the Offices of Hypothesis. Welcome back. Our hypothesis this week is the signs at the zoo and the grocery store should be accepted at face value. Again, the signs at the zoo and the grocery store should be accepted at face value. True or false, Penelope? False. Winnie? False. Roger? False, too. False too? <laughs> I'm saying false as well. False also. also. So everybody <laughs> agrees that the signs at the zoo should not be accepted at face value. Okay, let's get into our discussion. Why or why not? Well, obviously the animals are so far away that it can't really be to protect them. So there must be another reason behind the meaning of the sign. There's other animals which are behind glass. What's a mask going to do to protect? You know, if there's if there's a glass window like a snake cage... If there's a snake in a box, then what is a mask going to do to protect that snake? Yeah, think about that for a second. If you've been, you've all been to the zoo, right? Yes. Modern zoos. Yeah. Where do they put snakes? In glass boxes. <laughs> and the boxes are 
are they like the glass panels that they put at the checkout register at the grocery store where the snake can slurp around? <laughs> no, they're, <laughs> no, they're fully enclosed. Yeah, they're they're fully enclosed. So I don't if if a if a glass panel at a grocery store is deemed sufficient to keep your virus from getting to the cashier, how is a fully enclosed snake pit not going to protect the snake? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, how about lions and tigers? Where do, you you when you talked about the distance, where do, where are they situated relative to the visitors? Really far away, sometimes behind glass too. Sometimes behind glass, depending on the zoo. But yeah. if they're outdoor, it's there's usually what? There's usually like a ditch or something or maybe rocks or trees. Yeah, so putting— Something, something separating space. Or I remember in the old days in Clarksville, the Nashville <laughs> Zoo used to be in Clarksville, and the tigers were down mm-hmm. in a field and the people were only able to walk on these um, wooden plat- pathways that went through it. In any event— so far away from the animals, right? Birds and monkeys I've seen way up on top of the trees, right? Mm-hmm. So do these signs mm-hmm. convey the honest intention of the zookeepers? Uh, well, not if no. they're thinking critically. Or, sorry, not if they're thinking logically. Okay. Can you expand upon that, Roger? Well, yeah, just like what we were just talking about. If the true intention of the zookeeper is to protect the animals, then... Why wouldn't he have the animals wear masks? Why would he only have the people wear masks? And, you know, that goes hand in hand with what we were just talking about. Well, let me ask the question. Yeah. Why not mask the monkeys or jab the giraffes? If we really believe in the power of the mask and the jabs to protect people, and if the safety of the animals is truly the object here, why not mask the monkeys and jab the giraffes? Because they would take it off. They would take off the mask. Yeah, and- yeah, I think the, I think any animal would take the take the mask off. Take the mask off immediately, right? Yeah. And I think how are you going to get a mask on a lion or a tiger unless you put a drug into him and sedate him? Sedate <laughs> yeah. him, right? And then what's going to happen when he wakes up? Instantly he, take it off. Yeah. yeah. He might come running your direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so people can't get anywhere near the animals at the zoo. Right? We've talked about some of them being separated by those big pits, snakes enclosed in glass. And mm-hmm. even if you believe that a mask could actually prevent the spread of a virus, on what rational basis can we account for masking a person standing 50 feet away from an animal or separated by these wall-to-wall uh, and really floor-to-ceiling glasses? So – and by the way, isn't it the entire concept of a zoo to protect people, right? It's, it's designed to allow them to view the dangers of nature without actually being in danger of nature, right? Right. Yeah, they flipped it around, so instead of protecting the people, they want to protect the animals. So why this pretext of wear a mask to protect the animals? If masks actually worked, and if the concern were truly for the animals, wouldn't you think the zookeepers would work at least half as hard to cover the faces of the animals? By the way, whose care it is their responsibility, right? They're responsible for animals, and yet they focus their restrictions on the freedoms of the visitors, whose care is not their responsibility. Mm Mm-hmm. The answer is obvious. What? They're afraid of the animals. Yeah, they can't control the animals, so they control the people. Yeah. The people will comply. The animals will not. Now think about that for a second. What does that tell us about the condition of our culture or society? We have no spine. (laughs) (laughs) Irrespective of their words, it is the zookeeper's actions that convey the truth here, right? Clearly, the zookeepers respect the animals more than their fellow human beings. In fact, the zookeepers treat as animals the free men and women who, in God's created order, are co-equal created beings 
whereas they give more freedom and respect to the animals, who, according to Genesis 1, are rightfully under man's submission. Right? Mm-hmm. So right. they've kind of gotten it backwards, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, so let's go to the grocery store. In the grocery store, we hear the same song, though with a slightly different verse. Remember the words on the sign. We love our oceans, which is why we let them be. The Blue House Way is better for fish, for families, and for the planet we all share. And <laughs> Do you like my, uh, my movie voice? <laughs> all right. Do we like so, <laughs> so let's talk about similarities and differences between the grocery store sign and the zoo sign. What are the similarities? I think both would agree on liking and protecting the animals. Well, to some extent, because the grocery store, at the end of the day, is still selling the animal for food. So, Yeah, are they? do they really like? That's a fundamental question here. Do they really value the animals? Obviously at, not, because they're, they, they're saying one thing, and then their actions are telling another thing. Yeah. I think they value them at about... Three ninety nine a pound. <laughs> <laughs> That's inexpensive fish. Yeah, Boy, the salmon we get costs like eight ninety nine a pound. All right, eight ninety nine still. Yeah, so like zookeepers, the grocery store appears to value the freedom of the fish in the ocean over its own employees whose liberties they choke with masks and jabs. Remember, the guy who's selling the fish is required to wear a mask, and yet he's standing behind a sign, or the sign's between him and me, and it says that the store cares about the freedom of the fish and the natural condition of the ocean, we're going to leave that alone. But we're going to bind this man over here, right? I think the reason is obvious. Like the zookeepers, the grocery store is confronted with an inescapable reality. Despite their pretensions of concern for animals and nature itself, they know that they cannot actually control, coerce, or manipulate either of them, whereas they've proven that they can control people. But tell me about this incoherence. There's a hypocrisy to what the grocery store is saying about being concerned for the freedom of fish and what's actually happening. I mean, think about it. Do they really care for the fish? No. <laughs> no. no. They're killing it at the end of the day yeah. and selling it. Yeah. They're saving yeah. freedom, yeah. but then they're catching the fish and selling it. Yeah, it's yeah, a exactly. fish market for crying out loud, right? Yeah. The whole purpose is to make a profit from fish that have been killed, sliced, and quartered for its customers to eat. <laughs> So why the propaganda on the sign then? Maybe to get you to buy their fish? <clears throat> I think or, that's a good point. I think it's a yeah, principal point. To mm-hmm. show why their fish is better than other yeah. fish. Or maybe to show why they're better than mm. yeah. 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 That's a really good point, Winnie. Why does this national grocery store chain go through the motions then of telling its customers that it cares for the fish in the ocean and that they should be free when anyone with half a brain understands that the store must use the ocean and restrict the freedom of these fish in order to make a profit, right? What is a more restrictive means than killing them, right? Capturing them and killing them. Mm -hmm. And have they even considered the irony and the insult to their own employees, who, as we said earlier in the zoo example, are co-equal created beings over whom they have no real authority, to be told that they must mask and jab while their employer proudly celebrates and professes to champion the inherent freedom of the product it sells. Well, as we've oft repeated on this program, only when you believe what is true can you see things as they really are. And only when you begin with the Word of God can you understand the sinful, manipulative, selfish condition of the heart of man. Once you understand this, it is easy to discern the truth from propaganda. 
to know that zookeepers then and grocery stores post signs alleging concern for the freedom and safety of the animals they traffic, not because they believe the words on their own signs, but rather because it allows them to pursue dominion over their fellow man for their own selfish purposes. Did we cover it? Anything I, I left out? Mm-hmm. Not that I can think of. All right. When we return, we will take questions from our listeners. This is Jesus and the Meteorologists. So I wrote a little book all the way back in 2009 to address what was happening in America and what was likely to happen if we did not take corrective action. Unfortunately, too many of my predictions are coming true. The only surprise is the speed at which we have reached the precipice. The title of that little book is The Experts, and you can buy it on our webpage. Just go to JesusAndTheMeteorologist.com, click the image of the little brown book, and we'll send it to you for only $9.99. And then be sure to let me know what you think. Welcome back to Jesus and the Meteorologist. My name is Kevin Kukichi, and I am your host. If you have any questions from this week's program or in general that you would like us to address in a future episode, we're actually shifting away from capturing those questions in email form as we've done on past episodes. I would now ask that you post your questions on our Discord, and um, we'll do our best to respond on a future episode. We have a question, though, to answer and um, I think this question deserves a at least a ding because it's insightful and it may answer a lot of people's thoughts. I'll just read it and you tell me. Question is, you seem to suggest that people should not be trusted or at least not given the benefit of the doubt. How can you be so confident? All right, so let me first, before I provide my answer, let me ask our students to tell me how you might answer that question if someone poses that to you. Where do you begin? Well, you begin with God's word, and God's word says that all men are sinful unless they have their hearts changed. So we should presuppose that every man has evil in his heart till we are completely sure that, um, you know, he is working with God's plan. And even after that, too, we need to check everything that everyone says against the Bible. Yeah, it's, it's a very good summation. We must begin with the Bible, and the Bible tells us very clearly about the character and nature of God. It tells us about the nature of the world and all things that he has created. Um, what do we know about God? What are some of those characteristics? Oh, well, he's holy. He's ultimate. He's just. Omniscient. What about with relation? There's a very important distinction between God and man. God is the creator. God and we're is the, the creator. creator. Man is the created. Mm-hmm. And we are the created. That's, that's very important. Why is that important? Because it's the primary distinction between God and every, everything else, between God and everything else. Right. And so you heard me earlier in the episode talking about man seeking dominion over other men and why that is a violation of God's created order because we are co-equal, right? Co-equals created in God's image. We are to have submit. we are to make the world and all things created by God other than people submit to us, but as to other people... That's not the case, right? This is why God punished Cain for killing Abel, right? Mm-hmm. If, if that was not the case, if you could just go ahead and do what you want and, and assert dominion over other men, then there would be no such thing as don't commit murder, don't covet, don't commit adultery, go down through the whole Ten Commandments, right? Mm-hmm. They all presuppose 
that God is the creator of all things and that all things are in submission to him and that as vis-a-vis people, we are to submit things but not other people, right? So we must always begin with the Bible. And as Winnie said, we learn also about the character and nature of man, which is inherently sinful, right? All people are sinners. So apart from Christ, nobody deserves the benefit of the doubt, not even us apart from Christ. Everything must be measured against the scriptures. Think about people with power, money, and influence in particular, because they are subject to even greater temptations because both the access to sin and the ability to avoid the consequences in a temporal sense. The rich and powerful have at their disposal the tools to buy and influence the protection of their territory, don't they? Mm-hmm. So it takes a very rare person, not, not saying it doesn't exist, we know godly men who have power and wealth and influence, but it takes a very rare person to avoid these temptations. So with this in mind, to get back to the question, how can we be so confident and why shouldn't we give people the benefit of the doubt as a starting point, on what basis would anyone believe that these signs convey the honest intentions of the zoo and the grocery store, right, which you all said was not the case? Well, they might, but we can't assume this as a starting point, right? The Bible suggests that we should actually assume the opposite. I once had someone ask me why I could be suspicious of a man's intentions and why I would presume he is lying absent any evidence that he isn't telling the truth. Well, especially today, I replied that in a world where incredible power, wealth, and influence can be gained by lying, on what basis should we assume anyone would tell us the truth? So were these signs intentionally deceptive? Were there ulterior motives? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I think there were. You guys get an A for the day. You deserve a goal horn. And with that, we'll roll on out of here, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks again to our icebergs, our producer, Rachel, and to all of our listeners and supporters. In the never-ending battle for hearts and minds, we aim to find and develop young men and women who, like the men of Issachar, understand the times and who know what to do. And how can we know what we're to do unless we believe what is true? My name is Kevin Cookagee, and you have been listening to Jesus and the Meteorologists. 